For as long as I can remember, my feelings have always had a hold on me, controlling and dictating my life on a daily basis as I chronically lived in my pain and carried that emotional weight around. It's taken me decades to understand that I don't have to believe my emotions and programming, and that I do have a choice to not let it have so much control over me. For 33 years, I've been in survival mode, acting out of core wounds that formed way before I understood what they meant. This is really hard for someone like me who grew up wrapped in shame and felt like there was something wrong with me most of the time. I grew up in a Serbian household with an immigrant mother and a refugee father. Being first generation comes with its own unique set of challenges, where home is one world and the outside is a completely different, usually opposing world. I've always been really attuned to people's feelings. Someone call, would call me empathic. I've always felt things deeply, and that's always been weaponized against me as being too dramatic or too sensitive, too much, like it was a defect or something. When the pandemic happened, I went into this deep depression and identity crisis because I couldn't hide behind anything anymore. This was the beginning of my healing journey as I lifted the hood up and took off my rose-colored glasses. I began exploring the most shameful parts of myself. Looking back, one thing I overlooked the most about myself was that I was never mothered. When I was a teenager, I stopped identifying with my mom being my mom. I started seeing her as this crazy aunt or family friend that lived with us because it was too painful to accept that she was my mom. Look, I'm not going to paint my mom as this one-sided villain because I think she did the best she could, but she wasn't ready or meant to be a mother. On a daily basis, my mom would look at me with a rage in her eyes. She was either absent in her room or angry, yelling, critiquing, and judging me. She didn't know how to communicate or regulate her emotions. So instead of me learning how to regulate mine, I was too busy trying to survive her outbursts and appease her just to make it all better because I really thought she hated me. It would take more than five minutes to explain the deep, light, deep lifelong impact of a mother wound, the emptiness it creates within you, or what happens when you've had a mother that's a narcissist that never really sees you because you're an extension of her. I've developed complex PTSD as a result of being chronically afraid of my mother for most of my childhood. I've developed daily anxiety as a result of striving to be perfect for her and always falling short. I've developed very self-limiting core beliefs that tell me I'm bad and not worthy or lovable as a result of my value and goodness always being related to how well I did in school, what I looked like, or how compliant I was. It took me three years to learn about my shame and piece together that I have a very dysregulated nervous system, which is a symptom of complex PTSD. That means that my body is typically in survival mode with a heightened stress response system. And for anyone that doesn't know, complex PTSD is repeated trauma exposure. So my triggers, which are a lot, are emotional flashbacks to my childhood. It took me reading so many books, specifically What Happened to You by Oprah and Dr. Perry, that finally saw me in all of my brokenness and made me realize that I'm not too emotional or crazy or easily overwhelmed, but that real damage was done during a really sensitive developmental period. So right now I'm in this transformation period as I form my own sense of identity and feeling of safety again. Eight years ago, I started a passion project that became my life's work called the Confetti Project. 
It's a joy practice I created that prioritizes play as this form of self-care and community care with confetti. So what that means is I get to create a world where people reconnect to themselves and their aliveness as they let it all go with, yes, pounds of confetti. It's funny because I was never allowed to be in the joy for too long as a kid or enjoying the present moment because my childhood really felt like war on a daily basis. So the irony of creating something that helps people celebrate their life and express themselves and have an outlet to let go of what they're carrying and alchemize it with joy is exactly what I struggle with the most. And that's when I realized very recently that what I'm dedicating my life to isn't just in service to others, but it's directly healing me as well. I think mental health impacts all of our lives. I think it's so important to slow down and have moments with yourself where you check in and let questions of self-inquiry come up. Right now, for me, the questions are, who am I? What do I want? How do I communicate my needs and desires? And how do I stop people-pleasing and abandoning myself? What are the gifts of being highly sensitive? I never lost my curiosity and propensity to ask questions from when I was a kid. And my curiosity has been what has saved my life as an adult, is I commit to my growth and purpose while I'm here on this earth. I was programmed to be a machine. I inherited the belief that I'm not worthy or deserving of pleasure. I developed a lot of adaptive coping mechanisms to survive that no longer serve me. It's not easy unlearning things that were imprinted on your brain and body as you were developing, but I found that as long as I honor myself where I am, give myself space to ask the questions and express myself through creativity, I can alchemize my pain into beauty, meaning, and vulnerability. And so now, as an adult, I can learn how to be human while rediscovering that shameless, expressive, childlike, free version of myself again.